and welcome to Show Me Your Mic, episode number 118. Show Me Your Mic is a podcast about podcasting hosted on goodstuff.fm. You can find this episode at goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 118. Kyle is away this week trying to wire up the internet around the hills of sunny California. So for this episode, we've got a conversation I had with Paul Kafasis of Rogue Amoeba. They make a bunch of great audio apps for the Mac. We talk about Audio Hijack, Loopback, Piezo, Fission, and more, and answer some of the common questions about them all. Why doesn't Audio Hijack let me do X, Y, or Z? What's happening with NiceCast? Paul also hints at some of the new features coming to some of their apps. So let's jump right into my conversation with Paul. But I even I even brought my own. I brought some intro music for myself. I got. I think you've seen Farago, right? Our uh, soundboard. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah so I, I I in the past, I guess it came out what about uh, seven or eight months ago. Uh, I've I've done a few podcasts for it, and I I've obviously had to fiddle with it and, and use it in practice, yeah. uh, which I don't generally tend to do. But uh, <laughs> I at least leave it hooked up with the microphone so that it's possible I can drop in something if I need to. Yeah, I, I use a light touch. I'm not actually planning to do this, but <laughs> oh no, it's okay. I'm, I'm it's it's available if we need it. That, that's almost like a that's going to be a, a pre uh, podcast interview questionnaire now. As more people use stuff like Frogo with uh, Audio Hijack, is like, are you going to be blasting me with sound effects while we talk, or is this going to be a right. sound effects free podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what actually I was my testing. Uh, well, actually, I should just test to make sure mine's going, but. Actually, I don't think I have it. So here we go. I don't have it routed to you. Right. Okay. I have it routed. So if you just heard something, yeah, I didn't hear it. I can, yeah, I can, I can play sound effects while you're talking. You won't know that I'm doing it <laughs> for okay. comedic effect. That's I even guess. worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could do that too. Yeah, I could route sure. it just to, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'd find it afterwards on the audio. Then you get a recording full of terrible sound effects that you didn't even know were there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So no, no, Farago has been great. I I was testing the using it to you know to, as I'm checking to make sure audio routing is going everywhere I need it to go or whatever. And then I was wondering how often you hear that like the funky loop one or the slow jam loop, like the presets that you guys included loop pack or yep. whatever um, for testing. You must be sick of like the slide whistle and the <laughs> downbeat. Yeah, loop. right. Well, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've I I usually have a secondary sound set set up. I I reset this yesterday the day before so i don't even have my secondary sound so yeah all i've got are the the default sounds on here so uh, i've definitely heard these all a million times we actually <laughs> during, during when we were making the software we, we had a totally different set of test sounds so uh it was all you know copyright infringing so we, we obviously couldn't ship it but uh had you know uh, set, sound clips from various movies and whatnot yeah, I was actually in the beta. I don't know if that I can remember. I remember there was a Merlin Man one in there or something, but I know yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's other right. random stuff that was in there that then all of a sudden when the full version came out changed to totally yeah. different because yeah. yeah, obviously we can't ship <laughs> uh, some of that. We might have been able to ship, but some of it was definitely like stuff from Pixar movies and whatnot, which I don't want to get sued over. Yeah, you don't know. Definitely don't want to get their attention <laughs> in an audio app. That's for sure. Um, so. Paul, you're perhaps uh, a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, but best known for your YouTube video, Here Comes the Pizza Affair. You've got uh, (laughs) 1.7. I was doing Uh, a little Google search and I was like, I know know you from Mac software stuff, but then I was like, oh, he's a YouTube channel. I wonder if there's any, you know, Rogue Amoeba stuff. I was like, Here Comes the Pizza is the top viewed video. One video, I think, right? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the the channel exists expressly to rehost uh, copyright infringing rehost a video from a Red Sox broadcast uh, nine years ago. I forget what year it is. Two thousand nine, yeah. two thousand eight, uh, two thousand eight. <laughs> I think uh, it was ten years ago. Uh, 
just look up here comes the pizza and, and you can get the whole story but yeah there's uh that's that is probably the single thing that i have posted that has gotten the most eyeballs at least because uh, yeah. i think it's got about <laughs> two million views and it it recently somebody a friend stumbled on it and got back to me that uh it was in a uh uh tournament for the best moment in sports uh like oh. best weirdest <laughs> dumbest moment in sports and uh and i don't know I, I haven't checked the progress but it was it was the number one seed so uh this is <laughs> this is a story that people i don't know we can tell it if we want but i think it's better if people just go check it out and yeah for here comes yeah because it's it is it, it it's a good visual story and and worth checking it's a baseball story but it doesn't really you don't have to love baseball even to it doesn't really have anything to do with baseball <laughs> no <laughs> there's a baseball in the story but that's it <laughs> and it happens briefly yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah, more importantly, I guess for the purposes of this podcast, which is not a YouTube channel review podcast, but uh, you started Rogue Amoeba, um, Rogue Amoeba back in 2002. Right. And shortly thereafter, Audio Hijack was released. Do I have that sort of timeline as far as the... Yeah. So actually, Audio Hijack existed prior to Rogue Amoeba. Uh, myself and my two co-founders, Alex and Quentin, uh, we started the company at the end of September in 2002. So just about 16 years ago. But prior to that, we'd been working together on a couple different MP3 players, software MP3 players, uh, MacAmp, which was one of the first MP3 players, and then uh, some uh, tangential software based on that or, or related to that. And one of those apps had a plugin system that let us do things like plug in an equalizer, or other audio effects. And Alex made a plugin called Audio Hijack, which let you capture audio. And at the time, the idea was to pull audio in and then apply our audio effects to it. So it was, uh, here's a sentence you won't hear too often. We were people were listening to real audio streams and they wanted to yeah. apply an equalizer to them. And uh, so Audio Hijack let you bring that audio in and, and adjust it and, uh, you know, make it sound a little bit less awful. I won't even say better, but less awful. And uh, eventually that morphed into uh, a way to record audio that you couldn't get on its own otherwise. And eventually that spawned Audio Hijack, which uh, as, a, as a standalone application. And the company we were working with at the time didn't wasn't interested in it. So we said, well, we think this has some potential and, and spun out uh, our company. And, and that's so that, yeah, that's that's sort of the origin of Audio Hijack 16 years ago, which uh, is still to this day, uh, our, our what I call our flagship product, certainly our, our most famous product. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's. I remember the real audio days. I'm I'm old enough with computers to to remember those days. I was on the Windows platform back then, and so wasn't aware of anything happening in the Mac world that <laughs> of interest, I guess. But but yeah, I remember those days and and uh, the sort of audio nerdery stuff that was going on and hacking things and trying to like figure out this new internet age, I guess, of of streaming audio and stuff. So was software your entry into Mac stuff, or audio your entry into it, or where's where's your sort of passion in it? If you were to pick a team, I guess. <laughs> well, so we, yeah, people always think we're an audio focused uh, shop or, or that we have uh, a whole bunch of audio engineers or anything like that. And really, it's it's something we sort of stumbled into. Um, like I said, at the time, early 2000s, and even back to like 99, we were working on various MP3 applications, because that was sort of up and coming. And that was interesting, it was enjoyable. And it was a way to listen to music that wasn't possible just a year or two earlier than that. But we made this tool, Audio Hijack, and it was pretty popular. And you know, people people used it. People uh, had different uses of it, uses use cases for it than we expected, and that was great. But we never said, "All right, let's make an audio software company." We said we want to release this application, and 
Uh, it turned out to be pretty popular, so we kept developing it. And we were working on the new version, and we realized we had really what was a new product, and that became Audio Hijack Pro, which was the main product for about 10 years. And from there to sort of, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling, to, to sort of slim this down, basically, people said, oh, I want to edit audio, or oh, I want to broadcast audio, or oh, I want to uh, stream audio to my uh, Airport Express, which doesn't even exist anymore. Um, and it was something where we had a tool that was focused on audio, and people came to us with related needs. And very quickly, we said, okay, uh, we can make a tool that does that. Uh, broadcast was a fairly similar one. It uses the same audio capture engine that Audio Hijack does, but then sends it out, uh, sent it out to IceCast servers and Shoutcast servers. And editing needed some new technology, but still worked with MP3 files and AAC files that we were recording with Audio Hijack. And so something where, you know, if you're going to make, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. If you make a you know, a toaster, you might also get asked to make a toaster oven and a microwave. And uh, suddenly you have a line of kitchen appliances, even though you were focused on making a toaster. Uh, I, I don't know, probably most companies do say, let's make kitchen appliances. We did not say, let's make audio software. We said, we have a software product we want to make. And it turned out to be an audio product that turned out to be pretty popular. Yeah, because that's what my my entrance into the even rogue amoeba world or whatever, I think was probably you on whatever, uh, maybe a Daring Fireball podcast or you know, John Gerber referencing you in a post from, from his blog or whatever, way back when I'm talking and then kind of stumbling into the audio stuff that you guys do and sort of recognizing you as a uh, Mac developer of some repute, <laughs> I guess, in the community before I even needed your software, I guess, at the time. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of neat to sort of, I guess, stumble along that way, I guess, figuring out new opportunities, new, new pieces of software that you could use. And kind of, I, I would guess listening to a lot of uh, user feedback uh, from apps that, uh, that you have, and then sort of like splitting them off. Cause you have quite a few. So if, if somebody's not familiar in the podcasting world, Rogue Amoeba has an, a number of audio focused apps now, and we won't cover all of them in the, in the discussion here, but suffice to say, if you check out Rogue Amoeba, R-O-G-U-E Amoeba, A-M-O-E-B-A.com, um, there's, uh, an app called Airfoil, which allows you to kind of, it's like what Apple wants. <laughs> um, Air, no, Airplay? Is it that? That's what it's called, right? Airplay, yeah. Yeah, wants it Airplay to be. But, now, yeah, but it was Airtunes, that was Airplay, now it's Airplay 2. Yeah, so for getting audio everywhere in your house or, or apartment or condo or whatever, or workplace sent from your Mac and sending it all around. Audio Hijack is one we'll talk about a lot where you're recording audio and, and, EQing it and and grabbing it from apps that don't otherwise allow you to record audio and sending it to apps that don't otherwise allow you to input audio from within the Mac. And Farago is the soundboard app. That's what uh, we use here at, at Good Stuff. I use a lot. And uh, so any sort of like slide whistle or whatever sound effect that you need to add. <laughs> there you go. Um, I gave you one. That's it. That's, that's probably all of it. <laughs> And then uh, Fission is an audio editing app, and we'll cover that a bit. And Loopback is also another um, really powerful audio app for the Mac that fills a, a gaping hole that Apple kind of leaves for uh, for developers, I guess, to fill in or just or whatever. But um, it's the one we'll cover as well and talk about a bit. And then also Piezo. Uh, Piezo? Is that, am I saying that right? Uh, th yeah, it's it's not entirely clear how it should be pronounced. I go with Piezo. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But you well, because like uh the, the yeah, there's there's multiple pronunciations of most of our names and and so I, I, I wanna I wanna chime in uh just 
to the, the tiny pitch that I'll do. We also own macaudio.com, which is much easier to spell. So if you're looking to get to our website, Google has been the savior because there's four different ways to spell Amoeba and no one knows how to spell the word rogue properly. But yeah. <laughs> uh, macaudio.com, we acquired a year or two ago, and, and that's that's much oh, easier. And and once we once we I, I said earlier we didn't set out to be a Mac Audio company, but once we realized that we were a Mac Audio company, we uh, scooped up macaudio.com when it came available. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we'll we'll get into so the, the apps. I mean, we'll just go alphabetical almost maybe from, uh, and this will be a little bit of like uh, preference given to what I actually use <laughs> just because sure. I, what I know, but audio hijack is by far the one I use the most. I'm using it right now to record, uh, what we're, we're saying there's, there's other apps that record for you and, and will like the Ecamm live, the streaming software I use records, makes a recording of what we're doing right now. But, um, I don't, it doesn't give you the control of being able to add things like you referenced earlier, like uh, dynamics processor or EQ or, level meters, volume control, all that kind of stuff. And so um, I, I think of it as like sort of like audio utility knife almost or something for for the Mac where um, it just allows you to, if you're an audio nerd at all and do anything audio-wise on your Mac, podcaster, voiceover, artist, anything like that, it kind of just like a thing you need to have in your toolbox almost. Um, is there is there use cases that I guess, like I'm a podcaster and so that's sort of where I use it, but what other use cases that you've come across for for something like Audio Hijack? Where, where are people using it? So the biggest, at this point in 2018, the biggest use case is probably podcast. The, the single biggest use case is probably podcasting. And, you know, hopefully anytime anyone says, hey, I want to record a podcast, people say, oh, check out Audio Hijack. That's certainly what we hope for. And uh, we've certainly developed a lot of the tools within the application to assist podcasters. But... When it started, it was, as I mentioned, it was uh, getting real audio into an MP3 format so you could put it on your iPod, say. Uh, so this is before an iPhone, and this is when real audio streaming was still a thing. Uh, and, you know, within uh, for the next couple of years after that, Windows media streaming was also a thing that, uh, you know, was you could only listen to when you had an internet connection and when you were at a device that could play Windows media. So again, if you wanted to put audio on your iPod, you couldn't do it uh, without making a recording with Audio Hijack. So that was early on, the first couple of years, that was a big use case, was pulling audio streams from the internet and basically uh, creating physical, sorry, uh, standalone files that uh, you could then control, play in iTunes, play in your iPod, whatever. That's definitely still a decently big use case. Uh, A lot of people, uh, there is a lot of stuff streamed on the internet that is not available as a podcast. Uh, Plenty of things are available as podcasts. And if you've got a podcast reader, you can just uh, listen to them that way. But there are many things that are still live streamed or, uh, you know, not available in the format that you might want. So that's a big use case. Um, Beyond podcasting, just VoIP recording in general. So if you're using Skype and say you're doing a job interview with somebody, uh, and you're you're interviewing somebody to hire them for a job, and you have other people that you want to listen to the conversation. You might say, "Hey, I'm going to record this call," and uh, then you can play it for other people after the fact if they are not able to make a meeting, something like that. Um, the cool one that we've seen it pops up infrequently, but uh, it's always it's always nice to hear is people use it for uh, if they're having a call with a relative or something who lives far away. So again, voice recording uh, over Skype or, or over any of the VoIP services, but uh, you know, archiving that for later. If you have a conversation with somebody and you know you don't know when the next time you'll speak to them is, or, or you know, an older relative, um, you know, that's that's definitely something that's really nice to hear that we're sort of helping people uh, preserve that forever. Uh, so those are those are off the yeah. top of my head. Those are some of the biggest use cases. But as you, you you used a good phrase, you know, sort of a utility knife or a Swiss Army knife for for audio, and that's really sort of what it's 
aimed at now is that anything you want to do with audio on the Mac, especially related to recording, uh, Audio Hijack should be able to help you do it. Yeah, and that's um, it's it's something where I think people might hear it as like they again if you're in the podcasting world, I'm sure you've heard of it as like the app you get to record Skype. But it's uh, there are other other apps. Ecam makes uh, just a Skype call recorder if you're just purely after that, um, and um, so I guess a sort of competition, but like the the main goal obviously of audio hijack is that and more. Um, and so it's, it's a super powerful app to have in, in, in your toolbox, like I keep saying. And I think it's something where it's um, it can be used for folks. I find I recommend it. And, and I, I've been publishing videos on my YouTube channel of just like random stuff to do with audio hijack, just because I think people don't, no, like there's only so many, so much marketing right. you guys can do, obviously, but like, it feels like this thing that I want people to be like, Hey, this is, re- this is really cool what you can do with this and how simple it makes other stuff that like trying to force GarageBand to take two inputs, let's say even where you want your mic and then some software like Farago or, or whatever that you want to be able to record that at the same time. And GarageBand just makes it in- incredibly frustrating. It's, it, it's a typical Apple thing where they, they make something so easy. You think, oh, it's so easy and I should be able to do anything I want with it. But actually they've said, you know, no, we're not going to develop stuff for right. X, Y, and Z. And so then that's some, that's where Audio Hijack, I find, steps in and and you don't even need GarageBand loaded. It's, you know, an editing app after the fact, let's say. But um, yeah, just really powerful stuff. And it's kind of like, I'm, I'm sure friends and family around me are like, I, I don't even need anything with audio. Why are you telling me? About <laughs> Keep telling them. We don't mind. We're okay with it. No, it, it, it is, you, you, you raise a good point though. It is great to hear, you know, random things that people are doing with it. Uh, we always like to hear those use cases because sometimes that random thing is something that, hey, uh, 10 other people need or 100 other people need, or, or maybe it's a bigger use case than we even realize. Right. And you mentioned early on user feedback. That's definitely uh, a big way that we focus on the next version of the software or the next app that we're going to make is what are people doing with it? And then what are people trying to do with it that they can't do yet? Yeah. And what's, I guess, just to quickly ask where, what's the best way for folks to send in feedback, I guess, if they're wanting to for any of Yeah, the we route everything through email. We, we have a top-notch support team, a, a couple guys uh, working for us doing support, uh, you know, around the clock. And we take everything in via email and then route that. Uh, it's, it's a small company. It's a, there's 11 of us, so it's not a, a huge company or anything. You're, it's not going to get lost in the shuffle. But uh, it's something where it routes through there and we say, okay, we have one request for this. We'll make a case for it. And, uh, you know, people want X, Y, Z. And then over six months, we might say, hey, you know what? We got 15 requests for that. We should probably look at, uh, you know, do we want to implement that? Or, or how can we implement that? Or how does it relate to what we're already doing? Uh, so yeah, definitely uh, via email. We yeah. we're, we're on Twitter, but uh, when anything gets longer than you know 140, 280 characters, we route people to to our email because uh, Twitter's not a great way to interact in a deep way with somebody who has questions or requests or things like that. So yeah, uh, email email support yeah. has been something we've uh, been very focused on from day one, and always always wanted to get that feedback from people and and questions from people, and then provide uh, you know as much help as we can there. Yeah, they've been whoever it was. I can't remember off the top of my head whoever it was that answered and responded to my. I, I know I had loopback questions back before I bought it because I was like, I think this can right. do what I want, but I, I before I drop my money or whatever. And then there is test trial versions and stuff, so people can check that out, obviously. But but yeah, just like you know, and someone responded very with very quickly and and very helpful. Uh, one thing I know in terms of feature requests, that's kind of a bit of confusion maybe for folks right now is there's a lot of folks out there who use NiceCast and stream their, whether it's a podcast or maybe they have an internet radio station and they stream that out using NiceCast, which was a app you guys developed that basically took audio from your computer and then sent it to an IceCast or a, I always forget the other one. Um, Shoutcast. Ice, uh, internet server anyway. Yep. 
Showcast. Yes. Thank you. Um, you know, and that, that app now has been discontinued, um, and sort of rolled into, uh, I don't know what the proper term is, but rolled into audio hijack as a feature now inside of audio hijack, which to me was great. Cause I, I did have nice cast from before, but I had stopped using it because we don't do the nice cast or showcast streaming anymore here at good stuff. But I think for a lot of folks, it makes a lot of sense to have that all in one, but I know there's a bit of like worry or, or about switching to a different app probably. And, and yeah. the workflow that works now I have to add this other thing that has all these boxes and blocks and stuff. And I'm used to the, <laughs> the simple, you know, whatever nice cast arrangement. So I guess what's your, what's been your response and sort of suggestions for folks as they look at switching and, and contemplate that? Yeah. So, so nice cast, like you mentioned, was a tool we made that that was in 2003. So that was uh, very early on and it survived for almost 15 years, but uh, it was basically, we updated it for quite a while, but uh, at a certain point it was no longer popular enough to to receive the resources that it needed to get, you know, NiceCast version two and version three and so on. Uh, and broadcasting to an MP3 stream is something that is still done by plenty of people, but is not uh, sort of not in, in in its ascendancy. It's it's definitely sort of flattened off or even tailed off as people do things like uh, Facebook streaming and, and YouTube live streaming and things like that. So basically this was a product we had that we knew we had some some users for and we knew how many users we had over over a decade and a half and it was functionality that we didn't necessarily want to get rid of but we couldn't devote the resources to a standalone product so like you said we we sort of uh we discontinued the product we retired the product it still works uh, it's still supported through the end of this year but um we stopped updates to it and then after we heard from some more people and said, who said, you know, hey, I still need this. I'm still doing X, Y, and Z with it. A big, a big thing that people are still doing with it is podcast live streams. So we're doing a video live stream right now, but people do audio live streams uh, just to a, a relatively cheap or even a free MP3 server. And we said, all right, well, that fits pretty well with Audio Hijack. We'd always sort of had this idea, but it wasn't clear if it was going to make sense to integrate it into Audio Hijack. But so yeah, we added what we call the broadcast block to Audio Hijack, and that. Uh, takes a lot of the functionality of NiceCast and lets you stream that audio the same way that you were before uh, out to an internet's radio server, and then listeners can tune into it. Uh, you, you, you've made a good point that it's there should be some trepidation anytime your workflow gets disrupted, and it's not something we do lightly. We didn't, you know, just say, "Okay, that's dead. We're everybody moved to this. You're all set. Good to go. Done." It's that trombone, uh, right? Exactly. Um, it was it was definitely something where we kept NiceCast going for a long time, probably beyond where we should have, uh, beyond where it made sense for us, but uh, kept it going because we knew there were users out there. And when we eventually made this decision to retire, we have a couple blog posts on moving to other solutions. And then now that Audio Hijack includes this broadcast block, we have a post on you know moving from NiceCast to Audio Hijack. And again, our support team is certainly here to help anybody who's used NiceCast and now wants to use Audio Hijack. And it's it's something that uh, you know i again i we didn't take it lightly to say okay you're going to need to move to this but uh you know technology marches forward apple marches forward uh nicecast was i don't know how technical we should get on this but nicecast was a 32 bit application that was going to need to be completely rewritten to run on 10 15 or higher uh and on 10 14 it was going to complain and um it just wasn't feasible to continue supporting on its own so we did what we think is sort of the next best thing, and honestly, in some ways, a better thing, and that was to roll it into Audio Hijack and say, okay, uh, you know, this functionality will continue to exist for many years to come. It just will come in a different package. And if you spend, I don't want to undersell it, but, you know, if you spend 15 or 30 minutes, you can probably get set up uh, the same way that you were. 
And once you get used to it, it'll work, I think, better than it did before. Yeah. Uh, there definitely is a learning curve to get there, but I think uh, overall it's a better solution for users now. So. Yeah. And there's, a, there was, I, I guess I shouldn't, I won't quote you. I'm, I'm quoting my own brain here. So don't, <laughs> but there was an upgrade coupon. If you had nice cast, you could get audio hijack at a slightly discounted price possibly. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. That's still the case. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think the, there's actually have a video on my YouTube channel. That's another one of those random things where it's like, I, the markets are the use case for uh, live streaming to an audio internet radio station is dwindling, I'm sure, but there's probably some people out there. And so I, yeah, I did a, a screencast of using audio hijack to set up an audio live stream to a showcast server. Yep. It, the whole video is 27 minutes. That's start to finish of like, installing i mean i guess i had audio hijack installed already but that's not that difficult um but getting that set up registering a domain you know setting up a the showcast server information and then putting that into audio hijack in the in the block uh in the streaming block and out and yeah your- so that's the most that's like the most difficult setup you could have if you're doing yeah. your own hosting and if you're not using one of the services that are out there which many people already are so yeah uh, it's it's hopefully you know we certainly tried to make it as easy as possible to transition um the, the ideal for a lot of people would have been this should just keep working forever. And uh, I don't necessarily disagree, but that's not the reality of it. So we tried to do the next best thing. Yeah. And I think you ultimately you are like it's you know pulling the bandaid off now versus later, I think, because um, it people ultimately will end up with a better solution in audio hijack because it gives them way more options as to what they're streaming out. I had a client who wanted to deal with yet an internet radio station. He was doing that exact transition from nice cast and trying to figure it out. And then I showed him some of the like EQing and, you know, noise removal and stuff that you could do on the streams way on as the stream was headed out of his computer, basically with audio hijack. And it was like, you know, his mind kind of blown or whatever, because right. like before he just like, Oh, I just had to deal with, you know, volume levels all over the place and, and stuff like that. And just was a, a thing he had to do, just accept that was there. The one thing I will say as my, <laughs> Coincidentally enough, uh, I think I sent this in as a tweet, maybe, but my stream just died here on Ecamm Live, so I resumed it. Okay. Um, so apologies to everybody who's watching and, and trying to keep up with this. I don't know if it's creating new streams every time or what's going on, but um, is an out of that nice cast to rogue, to audio hijack transition for the streaming. I would love, and maybe the, I'm the only one who would love to be able to do this what we're exactly doing, but skip the video part. Just send if if audio hijack could send like a, a just a, a placeholder image and yep. That would be the one thing it's sending. So there's no HD, you know, whatever video that's worrying about, but just bandwidth limited to really good audio going out. And we could just replace a lot of those showcast servers. No offense to those companies. I'm sure they're, they're great. Um, with a free, you know, like what I'm doing, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, etc. Live, YouTube Live. Yeah, exactly. And then that to me would be the, whatever the phrase, cat's pajamas or... Well, you're you're certainly not the only one interested in doing that, and it's it's I will say it's something we have kicking around internally. So we will see what happens in the future uh, as far as the ability to do that. It's definitely that was that was certainly part of the thought process in terms of retiring NiceGas was that uh, you know there aren't a whole lot of new services that are doing MP3 streaming. There are a whole lot of what's called RTMP streaming is mm-hmm. uh, is what you know Facebook Live and YouTube Live use uh, and. We it's certainly not that much different to go broadcast to those than it is to broadcast to an MP3 server. So it is something where, uh, like I said, we've got something kicking around internally, and uh, we'll see what happens in the future. It's all it's all I'll say on it right now, but uh, it's definitely we're aware of the the use case. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure. Uh, well, I'll I'll raise my hand right now for beta testing. If beta if testing, I'm, yeah, I figured. Ever, okay, yeah. <laughs> if that ever comes. Speaking of which. Uh, Beta testing the this last year, I think, like you said, you had or a year ago, anyway, somewhere around there, you had uh, launched a new app called Frago, 
um, which he did through a, a beta testing program, which I got to be a part of and sort of testing out the, um, it's a soundboard app. And that's what, like I said, early in the show, we we're using here a lot of uh, good stuff in, in making goofy noises and intro music and, and things like that. I use it. I have a YouTube podcast I do where we pull random quotes from the band from over the years and just kind of play them at appropriate times that make people laugh or, or whatever which is why edge and i have taken up miniature golf so i didn't route the audio for paul so he didn't hear that That's right i didn't hear it so whatever i bet it was good <laughs> yeah yeah bono talking about mini golf. So, um there you go <laughs> and so uh combined with this is where the it's, it it kind of gets messy in your head because you frago works great on its own and it, it can be a powerful, like, especially if you're recording on your computer or in a room with other friends, maybe putting a podcast together or for, a, I, I've heard of like stage productions, maybe using it theaters and things like that, where they want just like a soundboard that goes out to the PA system. Um, you just added MIDI supports, uh, which yep. for triggering sound effects and things like that, where uh, especially Mac nerds, Mac audio nerds who in the past had to deal with really <laughs> ugly, <laughs> hopefully none of them are listening, but the soundboard apps of the past were just janky ugly felt like a windows 3.1 port to the mac uh frago came along with a weird name but a very beautiful interface to use and and being developed actively obviously as well and so um if if you're out there and somehow you've managed to not hear about it because you've you're listening to me but you've never heard me talk about it for some reason you definitely need to check it out first of all but um what's i guess what's the sort of internal pitch where what, what am i describing sort of the scenario where you saw the need for this kind of thing or was there some you know use case that you had that this kind of came out about no no that's that's absolutely it is that uh there are and certainly have been a few soundboard apps for the mac that were uh, functional but not not stellar is is probably what i'd say about about most of them and we said, okay, we know we have a lot of podcasters. We, Audio Hijack is used by a lot of podcasters, and you know, a couple of, of our other tools are used by a lot of podcasters. Um, some percentage of them certainly can use a soundboard app as well, and we can probably make a pretty good soundboard app. Uh, it fits in with with what what we are, which is an audio software company, even if we didn't intend to be. And so that was that was sort of you know, it wasn't it wasn't any more of a pitch than that. Was beyond you know, uh, we have probably we have a market for this and. Uh, users that we already have will purchase this additional tool. And then beyond that, yeah, it became, uh, let's talk to theater techs and see what they need, because that's not a market that we've attacked before or a market that we've been in before. Uh, even if our tools are used there, it's not one that we focused on. So we had some interviews with a couple of theater techs who were looking for various things. And that led to, you mentioned some of the new stuff we've done. Uh, we added a dark mode like a month before Apple added dark mode to Mojave. But uh, we added a dark mode in part because theater tech said, hey, I use this in a darkened theater. I'm in the back of the house and uh, I don't want to have a bright screen right in my face. So uh, that was the first app that we added that really truly had a light versus dark mode uh, because it was the first one that really needed it uh, more so than just, hey, I want it to look cool. Fascinating use case that is not one that I would use it for or or even would have thought of, but uh, tabletop gamers. Um, so people doing like dungeon and dungeons and dragons, things like that, they want to add ambiance to the game itself. So, you know, background ambiance and then literally sound effects of swords clashing and, and, you know, 
monsters growling and things like that. Uh, that's tremendously cool to me, uh, tremendously nerdy, I'm sure most people will think, but uh, I don't use that word as a pejorative. I think it's a good thing. Uh, and, yeah. you know, so that's that's a use case that uh, we've heard from multiple people that said, oh, this is awesome. I'm, I'm, it's people are getting so immersed. We're having so much fun with this. And, you know, people are having fun setting up the sounds and then playing the sounds when they're actually playing the game. And, and that's very cool and not anything that we ever would have said, hey, let's make a tool that does this. I don't think if we marketed it solely on that, it would have would have been any good. But uh, hopefully these tools, Audio Hijack and Farago and other tools are useful for, you know, a half dozen or a dozen use cases that we wouldn't have even thought of. And, and then we hear about them and can say, OK, can we can we make it a little bit better in any way to improve the way that that works for you? And, th- and that's always a fun process to sort of uh, finesse the product a little bit. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's what I will. I would say to anybody again, like I'm, I'm sort of preaching to the the Mac nerds, the audio nerds of the of the day. But um, where you you use an app, an audio app, and you felt like if only it might do this or whatever, or and in, but you know that the last time that the company tweeted was five years ago, and the last time the app was updated was ten years ago or whatever. Um, that's where Rogue Amoeba has been uh, awesome, uh, an answer to many audio nerds' prayers on, <laughs> on the Mac side. That's for sure, uh, in terms of actively developing, listening to the users, and and improving the apps in various ways. And obviously, also at times you have to say no, or you have to, you know, like in the case of Nicecast, you have to make the business call, obviously as well. And it's not like we expect, or people should expect that you can do everything for everybody, but. Um, definitely are very good at listening and 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 making uh, changes and, and helping improve an app and um, little things that I, I know like especially when you're developing into a new new space that you haven't worked in before but you've sort of seen the like with Farago and and being aware of things and and sort of being listening sorry to listening to users and responding very quickly with updates and things like that like a I think it was a, I forget it was it was like a stop all button or something there was just little things where I was like oh this it would be great if and I didn't even send in a request and then, then the next version had you know, those two right. of, those, of those things already fixed because obviously other folks are, are more vocal than I, I was. So, um, and you guys obviously picked up on stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, it's a very powerful app. Editing, you know, ve- lo- uh, not editing, but uh, I guess you do a bit of like trimming on audio files within. There's there's a little bit of a, yeah, waveform adjustment yeah. that you can do. But. And then you would obviously, you know, in, in the Rogue Amoeba world anyways, you would send stuff out to fission maybe or or yeah for editing if you wanted to do more finessing of the actual audio off of there but level controls color different color palettes for for each uh shortcut to the different sound effects you can have them loop you can solo them you can allow them to be paused or not um and and then of course setting up either your keyboard or a midi controller to actually trigger stuff and having multiple sets it's it's awesome for me because i have like a for the different shows i do i just have a each each show has its own set some of them have a couple has has a set specifically yeah absolutely yeah, and so it makes it easy. You're not just looking at a big, huge screen of of things and trying to reorganize them every time for for uh, sound uh, triggering and stuff like that. And um, and and for podcasts that maybe it's I I think of it just on the podcasting side. It's a neat way, especially what I do um, with clients is I'll edit their shows and I'll just grab like random little funny things when they say something funny or goofy or inside jokes of the show or whatever you sort of get to know the culture of a podcast and then using those later on as a, a bit of a callback maybe in in live shows callback, yeah, yeah, and things like that and definitely an audience appreciates it and enjoys it it's kind of like a little thing like you all you're all in on um and and i i have to be careful because i end up just turning into giggling sound guy whenever i'm playing with farago because it's uh yeah it's just too fun to to mess around with and make try and make the, your co-host or whatever on a podcast yep. break. <laughs> so, which, uh, 
ties nicely, I guess I mentioned it, Fission is your audio editing app. And this is probably one where I think I heard you on another podcast being interviewed about this, where it's an audio editing app. It's a single, uh, I want to say this right, like a one track, like a stereo, but single track. Yeah. yeah. Stereo, stereo editing, but single track. Yeah. Yeah. And so for folks who maybe are like coming from either up to logic or down to garage, or I guess sideways to garage band or whatever, it can be a little bit disorienting because you're like, okay, I thought this was, you know, Rogue Amoeba does all this crazy stuff with audio hijack. And then this app is kind of really simplified. Um, and I guess what's the, what's the reasoning behind not adding, you know, multi-track audio, I guess, to something like fission, um, for a, for a podcaster. Cause it, Speaking from that podcasting use case, I guess, specifically, um, that's the one sort of like holdback, I guess, in sort of, you have a podcast bundle, which is great, where you can get audio hijack, loopback, Frago, and Fission. I think folks should definitely check that out. You can save a bunch of money uh, and get a four really powerful apps. Um, but that's my one, I guess, hesitation in recommending Fission for people is the lack of a multi-track editor. Yep. Um, and I'm sure there's good reason for that, but... I guess what what would that be? Um, maybe we're just lazy. It couldn't. It might not be a good reason. It, c- it could be a terrible reason. No, you hate so, you hate multi track audio. With a no, well, so th- so you raise a you raise a fully valid point that for a lot of podcast editing, uh, a lot of more detailed podcast editing, you definitely want a multi track editor, and Fission is not that. And that's uh, from our view, that's okay. Uh, there are great multi track editors out there. Uh, you know, GarageBand will work. Uh, Sound Studio is pretty good. Um, Amadeus is out there on the Mac. So there are several, um, when I have edited a podcast, uh, doing extensive editing, I've used Fission and Sound Studio. So Fission is definitely not designed for multi-track editing. It just doesn't exist in there. Um, but it is used for what we call sort of top and tailing. Um, basically trimming a little bit here, adjusting some volume here, uh, bleeping out a curse word if you need to, or, or whatever. Um, so we have a lot of people that do more simplified podcast editing. They record a podcast, they record 60 minutes, and they say, okay, I don't need to you know, drop in anything, and uh, or you can even drop in, but I don't need to rearrange things and, and edit sections out and things like that. I just need to normalize the audio and add some tags and upload it, and I'm done. Uh, so if you're doing sort of more, if you're doing more of the work up front, uh, then there might be less editing on the backside, uh, on the back end mm-hmm. of it. And Fission's great for that. It's it's designed to be quick and it's designed to do, you know, a half dozen things very quickly, very easily. Uh, it was never designed solely as a podcast editor. So that's part of the reason why there's not multi-track editing in it. Uh, people were recording, as I mentioned early on, people were recording internet radio streams and let's say they were recording something and they wanted to save it. They recorded an hour-long concert, but halfway through there was a break or a commercial or whatever, and they wanted to just trim that out. Uh, Fission was designed to make that a uh, 45-second process. And podcasting has grown as a use case, so we've sort of added some functionality that's related to podcasting to Fission. But in terms of multi-track editing, like I said, there's there's other solutions out there, and that's certainly currently what, what we recommend. Um, part, of the, uh, part of it is also interesting to, to note that early on, Fission's about... Oh, 12 years old, I think. I'd have to check. Uh, it's over a decade old. And early on, the idea was to have Fission as a very simple audio editor that let you trim and break things down, uh, hence the name. And then, at least internally, a product called Fusion, which would have been terribly confusing because the names would have been almost identical. But that would have been a tool, a multi-track editor that uh, you know would have done a lot more high-end editing that people are looking for. And Fission was the first one that came out. It's uh, it's the one that we've that we've developed. But 
uh, it's something where we said, okay, this does a whole lot of what a lot of people need. And Fusion, the internally named Fusion, is a product that definitely has a use case, but there are competitors out there that already do it. And is it something that we want to attack right now? And to this point, it has not been. Uh, and we're happy to recommend you know, something like Sound Studio or GarageBand to, to people who want that multi-track editing. So, I mean, the, the, the short answer is just it's something that we know people want to do, but it doesn't have to be with our tool. And as well, mm-hmm. that Fission is useful for plenty of things that uh, relate to podcasting or, you know, relate to certain types of podcast editing. But if it's not the tool for you, then that's fine, too. You know, we don't have to be the end all be all for, for audio. We want to create as many useful audio tools as we can. But with 11 people, we can only make so many products. Which I think that's that's what's actually inspiring or, or uh, creates confidence in me in, in a company like Rogue Amoeba is that your ability to say no, even though there's potentially some money on the table that you might be leaving, but the backend support of a multi-track audio app, uh, I can't imagine would be <laughs> simple. Right. Obviously. And and Fission was designed. So the, the reason Fission came about is that, you know, mid 2000s, when Audio Hijack was just a couple years old, people said, oh, you know, I recorded this, but I need to cut a little bit out or I need to uh, normalize the audio or and there wasn't and you know I'd say there still is not another good simple audio editor so you said you were on Windows before but on the Mac there was something called SoundEdit SoundEdit 16 which is on like System 7 uh, you know way 15, 20, 25 years ago and this was a very simple audio editor that did a lot of what Fission does uh, black and white you know uh, very simple waveform but you know, we sort of look at Fission as a 21st century version of this. And people needed simple editing ability uh, the same way that you can like trim video in uh, on the iPhone very simply. There's not a whole lot that you can do with it, but you can get to what you need pretty easily. And we wanted to make a tool that did that. And instead of coming at it from the other angle of let's make it do everything, which, you know, is sort of a departure from Audio Hijack, where Audio Hijack is hopefully enabling you to do just about anything you want to do with audio. Fission sort of comes at it and mm-hmm. says, there's a half dozen simple editing things that most people are going to need to do, and this will let you do them. Uh, so it's it's an interesting dichotomy between the two of them. But the the best thing I always hear is that, oh, Fission would be, Fission is great. Fission would be perfect if it just did this one extra thing. And I, I always tell the story because that one extra thing is different for every single person. And when you add right. that one extra thing for 100 people, Fission is no longer this great simple editor. It's you know uh, Microsoft Excel, where or Photoshop, <laughs> yeah. where you know how to use five percent of it, and it costs five hundred dollars. And uh, so thus far, as you said, we've we've been able to say no and and focus on a simple editor that hopefully meets fifty to seventy five percent of the needs for a lot of people. And then if uh, some people need something more advanced beyond that, they can they can either go to that or use it in conjunction with Fission. Yeah, and the one thing I know um, my partner here good stuff kyle uses it sometimes too and i i remember because he's he uh uses uh i think he's using logic now he, he's like a habitual app switcher okay. for audio but uh but yeah the one feature i know when i was trying it out too is it has um is it lossless mp3 editing yes. or saving or right and that's like a which is a pretty big deal like if you're because i my just like with a video or image editing sorry if you you know you edit a jpeg and then you save it again well you've lost some some image compression or image quality um and similarly with mp3 um yeah kyle just chimed in in the chat he said i do have a problem um but <laughs> um so with fission it's similar right where you don't actually lose quality of an mp3 when you're saving it out right so so basically we th- this is something that to my knowledge, no other audio editor on the Mac does. And 
Uh, I, don't quote me on that. I, it's, I just know it's sort of a, a major feature that when we came out with it, it was the only one out there. Basically, MP3 and AAC files are compressed lossily. So when you compress them, you lose some audio quality. Uh, the same thing as JPEG, just like you said. And when you edit them in any other audio editor, it has to pull it back out to raw audio. You edit it, and then you re-encode it to MP3 or AAC, and you lose quality again the second time. And if you make more edits, you're going to lose quality. Uh, so the, the example we, we used to use is like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy gets worse and worse. And with Fission, when you edit MP3 or AAC, uh, it edits, I, I sort of say, right inside of the format. And so you don't ever recompress. So you never, beyond that initial audio encoding that you did, you don't ever lose audio quality on top of that. And yeah, that's it's something that uh, Alex, uh, I mentioned Alex, one of my one of our co-founders here, uh, really did some black magic on the back end to, to make that possible. Uh, but it's interesting because it has sort of constrained the application uh, somewhat artificially because you can only do so many operations losslessly. There are things that you cannot do. You can't add audio effects on top of the audio. So people say, oh, you know, I, I use Fission. It's great, but I want to, you know, add an equalizer to the audio. And we say, well... Uh, that's not currently possible because we're doing this lossless editing. Uh, you know, in the future, we might have a lossy mode where you're able to do that. Uh, I'm it's certainly not something I'd rule out, but it, it was a, a useful constraint because it made us say, well, you can't do that right now. And, and we'll see how, how badly we need that in the future. Uh, and if it's worth doing or not. Yeah. That's what, and Kyle just chimed in here too, is saying it's, it's so incredibly fast. I love it. And that's, that's where I find myself. I reach for it because I, I have the, um, whatever you call it, the trial or demo version installed on my, on my Mac. And so I'll go to open an audio file. I'll like drag down the list and see like, okay, logic is what I'm looking for. Cause that's what I use typically. And then I see fission. I'm like, Oh, I should go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> this would be so much quicker than firing up logic and have it go run through all the plugins. And, and then like uh, some sort of crazy template opens right, up right. and like all of a sudden I'm editing a symphony when I just wanted to like chop up some audio and like, no, not this time I'm going to say, <laughs> but, but I know it's a matter of time probably before I, I become a fission user as well. Cause it's, it, it feels like to me as a, as a, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a budget conscious nerd who doesn't want to just have buy sure. the app that I think I might need. It feels like I've already got audio apps. I don't need another one. <laughs> I, and this is where Kyle has the benefit, I guess, of just throwing money at the problem, but <laughs> he, he, I, I should just, cause it, it is really, it has its own use case. It's, it's not something you might use every time as if you're a, a multi-track podcast editing nerd like me. Uh, but it definitely has a use case and I think uh, a worthwhile one at, at the price point that it's at. Yeah. And, and, and like I, like, like you said, it's something where instead of diving into logic for, five minutes just to boot it up. This is hopefully something that in 30 seconds you can get done what you need to. And, you know, that, that it's it's valuable to have two different options. Uh, you know, I have a car and I have a bicycle and I use some of them for, for some things and some for other things and uh, they don't need to be the same thing. Yeah. Whereas my family, we all ride on one bike together just to save some money. No. Is, it, is it a four-person tandem <laughs> bike? What do you got? It's a Canadian thing. Uh <laughs> The one, the one, uh, one of the other apps. So I'll just briefly run over. So Piezo is actually a, a simple recording app. So it's kind of like audio. I, this probably isn't in any branding, but audio hijack light in a sense where you, you want to be able to just record something and you don't want to mess around with having audio hijack. I guess if, if audio hijack in the previous analogy is logic and <laughs> Piezo is maybe the, the fission, yeah. I don't know. We're mixing up weird analogies here. So, and something's the bike and something's the car, but anyways, the, <laughs> Uh, it's a really simple, especially if you're a podcaster and you have someone that you want them to record their audio 
on a Skype call, do the double ender or whatever. But um, that's where you can send them piezo or either uh, the goodness of your heart and your wallet, or maybe they buy it because they're going to use it a lot. And they don't need to know how to use QuickTime. They don't need to know how to do anything else. It's a very simple app to use, but reliable and will record the audio and then they can send you the audio from their end. And you've got pristine audio, or at least as pristine as their mic allows um, to, to record and to edit with later. So um, is there any other sort of, I guess, the sales pitch on Piezo from, from Rogue Amoeba's side? Uh, so the initial impetus for making it was to get Audio Hijack into the Mac App Store. So to get a, an Audio Hijack-like tool into the Mac App oh. Store. So that's 2010-ish, yeah. uh, 2010 era. Uh, and Piezo is no longer in the Mac App Store because of various changes that Apple made. And uh, shortly, basically shortly after it got in the Mac App Store, uh, rules were changed such that it was difficult to keep in the Mac App Store. Uh, but that was the initial reason to create it. Uh, everything that you said is certainly accurate, that it's it's useful to have a tool that basically there is literally one big red button that you click and it starts recording whatever you've told it to record. So I'm, I'm actually using it right now instead of Audio Hijack. I use Audio Hijack all the time. But to record this, uh, I just pointed it at my microphone and hit the record button. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a great tool if, if you're somebody who just needs a very simple, I need to record from a microphone or I need to record from this app on my Mac and uh, just click and done. Uh, Audio Hijack is certainly, I, I would say Audio Hijack is what we recommend for most people. We try and make it as straightforward as possible and and as uncomplicated as possible such that almost anyone can use it. But if you just say, hey, I have five minutes to get this set up and I don't, you know, I don't need the the power that you're providing there, then Piezo is certainly sort of what we would recommend in that case anyway. Yeah, it's a different, I mean, it's 19 US versus 59 US. Um, so it's, it is in that sweet spot of like a quick app that you can buy. And, and if you're going to use it a few times, it's pays for itself in terms of simplicity. That's for sure. Um, uh, and then also the other one I'll just mention too is, is sound source, which is, uh, interesting. Uh, is it, it's free or free with licenses if, with purchase if of you, other apps? If you own any of other software, sound source is free. Uh, otherwise it is, uh, $10. I, wow. I should know that. Should yeah. I, I believe it's 10. <laughs> no, it's okay. You've got a lot of apps now. You, it's not just a, you're not just an audio hijack company anymore. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically instead of on the Mac, your audio controller, uh, which, uh, in the top menu bar, if you click on that and you just, you can see your volume control, obviously, and then your output devices, it, it's an improved version of that where you get a lot more control over, um, uh, which, which input, which output device, your, yeah, all those kind of things, where things are going. Um, I'm probably doing the the poor man's uh, sales pitch on it, but well, that's, um, that's, it's it's yeah, it's designed to be a better audio controller for the Mac, and uh, it was something that we had a couple free applications uh, that called we had SoundSource and LineIn, and LineIn was a way to. Uh, do audio playthrough. So if you played a mic through your Mac, this was a way to actually hear that audio. Uh, and we combined them into what is now SoundSource 3. And uh, as I said, it's it's still free if you're a customer of ours who has any of our other stuff. And if, if you only want this, then it's 10 bucks, which is hopefully cheap enough that it's easy to buy. But yeah, it's, it's we I, I believe the marketing pitch on it right now is the sound control that should be built into Mac OS, uh, which uh, yeah. is, is what we've, that came about because it's what we heard from a lot of users. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like Apple has gotten better at like you can option click your mm-hmm. sound your little speaker thing and get a little bit of a sense of what sound source would do. Um but uh but yeah, it's definitely not as powerful I guess or as simple even as what sound source does. So the final piece in the puzzle that actually is um one of the more like it it feels like a so loopback is the app I'm talking about and 
it's the I guess the marketing pitch from you guys is enjoy cable free routing. Oh, I just lost it here. Enjoy cable free audio routing with powerful virtual audio devices. And it's one of the ones that's hard to explain if you've never needed it because you think why would I need that? But once you need it, you're like holy crap, this is awesome because I need this and it makes it so much easier to do. And basically, what it amounts to is you want to have um, audio going from well, okay, here's what I'm actually doing for this broadcast. Right, give them the real world use case. That's what. That's what I want to hear. So I've got Ecamm Live that allows me to choose just through their design. They have, um, I'll just pull up the audio controls. I can choose a mic input device. I can choose, and then I have a, and that's one volume control. And I have Skype volume control. So Paul's audio is coming in from Skype and Ecamm grabs that as it goes by and spits it back out to the live stream so that they can hear it, obviously. And then I can also hear it in my headphones. Um, and so I can control Paul. If I, if he starts shouting at me, I can just turn him off uh, volume wise. And, uh, but then the main input from me, from my computer is one thing. And so I could choose, uh, my mic, I could choose the internal mic. I can choose, um, some other connection with my, um, USB sound input, uh, mixer, but I can only choose one thing. And so if I wanted to have the very important ability to send, uh, sound effects like that to the stream i can't do that i have to choose one or the other and actually right. it's almost i don't know it's not impossible but it's very hard to get frogo into uh ecamm live let's say where it has a one input source because right because they're only letting you choose audio devices as opposed to a software application yeah so it's not letting me choose software it's yeah and so that's where before in the past i would actually route up audio or start up audio hijack yep and create things and trying to like route them through. But then sometimes you couldn't hear it on your end and and Ecamm could or whatever. So loopback allows me to create an audio device called, I I just call it Ecamm live source. And then inside loopback, I choose my microphone. I choose Frago. I could choose anything else, Fortnite, right? (laughs) whatever, whatever game or app that I have running on my Mac, basically. And then all of the audio that comes out of those things, those apps gets routed into that one device. And so then, Ecamm live in this case chooses I can choose that as a source and all that audio goes out I can each of their volume controls on the app so a Frogos volume control my mic volume control Fortnite's volume control whatever apps I'm sending um, their volume levels are are respected I guess and then there's obviously the master level that I send out through Ecamm live and so for podcasters video game streamers um, yeah I I, again, I'm curious where you guys have seen use cases for loopback, but for anybody in that space that I, I know I've spent time in, it's an invaluable uh, piece of software. And, and there was like Apple has their audio media controls, audio, audio MIDI control app, which again, feels like audio MIDI setup is what it's, right. is what it's called. Yeah. Which is a weird which, name that. Yeah. And I know like if you're, so I'm the cheap you know guy who's for years tried to fight with that as and and previous to that was soundflower was a really popular one still gets recommended by people as a, a viable option uh air quotes viable option for for doing this kind of stuff um and so loopback aims to you know replace all of that because you can sort of do some of this with with apple's built-in tools but it's really painful um and and confusing and it resets on me all the time and stuff um and similarly soundflower was functional but very confusing to use and i i don't i it alternates between being supported and not supported anymore developed not developed so i think right now we're in a developed phase for soundflower maybe but uh don't quote me on that yeah and judging by paul's face don't quote him on that either. yeah i'm not well so i so 
so you mentioned audio MIDI setup, which is a useful tool, but uh, does not work with software. So you can't pull in software applications there. You can only pull in audio devices. Uh, and Soundflower is a tool that uh, we actually, for a time, was bundled with some of our software years ago. Uh, for about a year, we were actually maintaining it, uh, but just didn't have the resources to do it because uh, it's a free uh, application that uh, was developed uh, five or 10 years ago, 10 years ago, probably. Uh, the original developer sort of didn't have time for it. And we said, all right, well, we'll host it and uh, sort of uh, shepherd it. But there's not a whole lot we can do because we have these paid products that we need to create. Uh, and we eventually said, all right, look, we know that there's functionality here that people want and people need, uh, but it needs to be properly supported. And to be properly supported, it needs to be something that people purchase because if there's money behind it, we can yeah. we can justify spending the time on creating this. So Loopback is entirely, uh, you know, clean room engineered. This is code that we already had before we had any interaction with Soundflower. But uh, we were on sort of a parallel track where we had Soundflower sitting over here and we were hosting it and making it available to people, but not really doing any development on it. And we were developing Loopback and we said, all right, uh, we need to hand this back off to the open source community and someone else can maintain it. Uh, and as you said, I'm not sure right now if it's fully maintained, if it's if it's going to be updated for Mojave or, or what the situation is there. I uh, frankly have sort of stopped paying attention to it because we have a solution that, uh, yes, it costs money, but it's also supported and will be working on Mojave on you know day one when that ships. And uh, basically, if you're if you're a professional who needs this technology, uh, hopefully it's worth it to you to purchase it if you run a podcast, especially if you have a podcast that you sell ads on or, you know, that you're making money from, it's it's worth paying for the tools that will uh, make that podcast work. Yeah. So the the initial impetus was to say, hey, this is functionality that people need and, and let's make a properly supported, properly designed, uh, you know, not designed by committee and not uh, sort of cobbled together. There's, there's open source software can be great. It certainly can be very functional, but I, I personally find it better to have someone or a small team focused on the design of software and making it work the way that it ideally should for most people instead of just saying, hey, let's add this feature and this feature and this feature. And, and then you've got a very functional tool that is very hard to use. So Loopback was designed to make this a whole lot simpler. And you did a pretty good job explaining it. Uh, before we shipped it a couple of years ago, I was terrified that we were not going to be able to explain it at all in a way that was going to be useful uh, because... Audio Hijack, the pitch is literally record any audio. Any audio playing on your Mac, you can record it. Audio Hijack will take care of that. And it does a whole lot more than that now, but uh, you know that's the simple pitch. And uh, Fission is edit any audio, fast editing. And uh, Loopback is, the, the pitch is, like you said, cable-free audio routing on your Mac. And that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot until, like you said, you need it. And then you might say, oh, wait a minute, I can route audio between this application and this application. Or uh, I have two different hardware devices, two different mics or a mic and a, and, you know, a, a musical instrument that I want to bring in. And I need to bring them into GarageBand. GarageBand can only take one audio input. Uh, so it's, mm -hmm. it's something where hopefully it, and it's proved to be the case uh we were hopeful that people would get it and it has certainly proved to be the case that people get it and then ideally recommend it and say oh this is exactly what you need for this uh go download it and try it out and uh like i said it was something we were terrified that we were not going to be able to explain properly at all because it's probably the most you can do the most complicated things with it or the most complex things with it out of any of our software and our our goal or my goal certainly has always been to make this functionality is simple and user accessible or accessible to as many people as possible. And this is something that's a little higher end. It's 
something that's more useful to professionals and people doing podcasts and uh, doing more complex audio setups. And that has value too, obviously, but it makes it a little harder to, to explain and to market. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's one that you can, I know from my own experience, I, on a few different occasions, I've gotten myself into some audio trouble where I've created devices and looping almost like loop. Well, like the name loopback. I've looped back, which is something in audio you don't want is like a loop that's going and you're feedback yeah, right. or whatever. Uh, yeah. And so I've created things where all of a sudden I'm blasting myself with static or whatever from some app that doesn't work properly or whatever. Um, and again, I think it's 99% of the time it's user error because it, you can, it gives you a lot of power over where audio is being sent and coming from on your Mac. And in that power <laughs> comes great responsibility. And so you can, you can do some, yeah, some weird stuff. And especially now that you've added like this is where my brain hurts. And I, I, I sometimes wish for like, like actually want cable cable to routing right, on right. a Mac, not like where I'd actually have to like, because sometimes I can make this device like with loops or nested yep. devices now in loopback where you can have a, a set of apps that are all like, you know, your, my Ecamm live stream or whatever, a selection, that's one device, audio device. And then I can select that inside GarageBand, let's say, but I could then nest that inside another audio device that yep. makes even more stuff go together. So yeah, it's, it's a, uh, you can kind of get my, at least for me, old audio nerd like me, I guess I get my head wrapped around something and no i i absolutely so my experience mostly is that in in testing this and and fiddling with it uh, i wind up losing audio so i will be muting audio somewhere that's routing into an audio device and i don't realize it and then i don't hear audio and say ah hell what did i do i I gotta go fiddle and loop back and and fix it uh ideally one you you mentioned you said you used the word the phrase user error and that may be the case but it's certainly something that we try and design out of the software. So we try and make it difficult to screw up. Uh, that's not always possible. And, and there is a trade-off between how much power you give and how much, uh, you know, how many difficulties you can create with that power. But it is certainly something where we're aware of the complexity of this and try and make it as straightforward as possible and try and avoid the situations where you get into, uh, you know, audio disappearing on you or, or static blasting at you or whatever. Um, and we're currently working on updates uh, to the interface. So Loopback 1, when it shipped, we said, okay, we're going to put this out there. We know people will need this functionality, but we don't know how well it'll be received, and we don't know quite how to explain it. Uh, so if you look at Loopback 1, it has what I think is a, a fairly simplistic interface, and uh, we have uh, some internal testing going on with uh, sort of an updated interface that will uh, be much more visual. So you mentioned Audio Hijack earlier, having these blocks where audio flows from block to block and something somewhat similar in terms of seeing how audio flows in loopback will hopefully make it a lot more clear. And uh, it won't be physical wires, obviously, but it will give you sort of a, a more physical or visual image of how audio, how you're routing audio right now. And then you can see, oh, obviously this is screwed up because that audio is not routing to anything. So that's why I'm not hearing it or, you know, something along those lines. So it's definitely something where, uh, yes, you can look at something and say, oh, I screwed up the configuration of this, but the software can do a better job of guiding you on that configuration. And that's something that we're looking to do in the future. Right. So at some point, I guess, just you, I'll, I'll just live stream myself to Rogue Amoeba trying to use it. And then you can be like, oh, okay, right, this is where right. Chris screws up. Let's build the, the Chris <laughs> button or whatever, where he can undo the things that he keeps doing. Because yeah, there's the ability to mute audio sources inside of the uh, loopback device. And then where I choose yep. to monitor audio through, that's like, my brain is like, I don't I don't get it. I don't know what's happening quite here. But, and that's where I know I end up screwing up something. Because then 
Ecamm, let's say, or other apps will also be monitoring that audio. And then when I, the, the sort of Frankenstein monster of, of sort of audio nerdery, I guess, is like audio hijack running and loopback. And sometimes this is what, maybe there's a, a a mental model here that I'm missing, but audio hijack grabs say Frago. And so then I'm not necessarily hearing it unless I choose to make an output device in audio hijack. Whereas with my microphone, and I think I know why this works, but like my microphone, I can create an input device of my mic and record that. And I still hear my mic in my uh, USB headset or whatever that I've got hooked up. Whereas Farago, I create it in, into, Rogan, or into Audio Hijack and Recorder, and I don't hear it anymore once I hit record on Audio Hijack. Yep. If, if right? you don't have an output, sense? then it will default to not outputting anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, so, the, so what you just described, that's your configuration and... You could say, "Oh, user error because you didn't put an output device." Uh, but the, the the problem there is that some people want to have a configuration where they don't hear the output from an application and they're just recording it. And so we need to provide both options. And yet at the same time, we want to make sure that people don't get in a situation where they're not hearing audio that they expect to hear. We want them to not hear the audio that they don't want to hear, and we want them to hear the audio that they want to hear. And uh, so it's it's always it's always tricky to provide this power. Uh, and, and hopefully there is a whole lot of power here, but, uh, it provided in such a way that people don't get confused by it. Yeah. And lots of people would probably, you know, might be using the built-in inputs and not a USB device to get their audio in. And so like, that's where for me, you know, for me, it's confusing. Cause like the, the focus, right device that I have plugged in is actually where I'm hearing the audio through. So that's why it doesn't matter what audio hijack does with the audio. Once it hits the computer, I'm still hearing myself in my headphones from the monitor off, off the USB device. And so off the device um, itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, but so there's no way for you to like provide a user error, you know, or a warning right. even, cause like how many different devices could people be using and whether they're even using that or not. And uh, yeah, all sorts of different scenarios and combinations, but I do appreciate your attempts to make me feel better about my No, I mean, it's, it's something where we have, you know, we have tens of thousands of users and they're all doing different things. And, you know, we focus on, you know, something like VoIP recording. We have a template in Audio Hijack that uh, by default it will work and it will work in a specific way, but then people want something a little bit different and we make it possible to do, but there's only so much we can do uh, in terms of making it easy to do. So we want make as much, as much easy as we can. And then beyond that, we make even more stuff possible but it might require you to to learn a little bit more, or to understand a little bit more, and yeah. you know that's that's sort of where we land in in terms of uh, you, you were talking about Apple sort of oversimplifying things where they stop and they say, okay, this is what you can do, and oh, if you want to do more, you just simply can't do it. Uh, we try and err a little bit more on providing that power, maybe tucking it away. We have some advanced pop ups and things like that that where it's tucked away and. The average user might say, oh, you know what? That's advanced. I don't even want to touch it. Uh, and hopefully that works. But we want to at least provide that power uh, if people need it. Have you taken any steps ever to do any of this? Like Farago seems like an obvious one that could live on an iPad, let's say, for folks. And have you taken any attempts? Or I forget if the Rogue Amoeba history completely, maybe you have done this already, but um, to you know develop iOS apps. And, and related to that um, was a question actually from Kyle here. He's just saying, has the audio hijack interface been influenced by iOS and audio routing applications there? Did, it, did a redesign start with the iPad or touchscreen consideration maybe? Because it does feel on a Mac a bit like a what you sort of touch on an iPad, I guess, in terms yeah, of routing sure. things and, and things like that. So I guess that's sort of a two-parter. And then that's a two-parter. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so the, the short answer to iOS is that we have made 
multiple attempts on iOS. Uh, very early on, we had uh, a tool on iOS called Radio Shift Touch, which was a tool for streaming audio, uh, streaming radio. Um, so 50, 60,000 radio stations online that you can listen to. And uh, it was $9.99, which in 2009, I want to say, uh, was fairly expensive, even though that is, you know, 10 bucks is not very expensive, realistically. But uh, prices dr- were driven down from there. Uh, we had competitors that came in at $2.99 and then $0.99. Cents. And uh, the, the summary that I've come to in my head is that we want to make sort of deeper applications, uh, deeper feature-rich applications, and iOS... The market, unfortunately, does not really reward that right now. Uh, it's getting perhaps a little bit better with subscriptions and, you know, the ability to uh, charge people over time where, you know, they get the software for 99 cents and then it adds a feature and they stay subscribed. So they pay another 99 cents, whatever. Uh, but that's still not prevalent right now. Whereas on the Mac, we can say, hey, this this application is $30 or $50 or even $100, uh, but it does what you need and we will continue to develop it and support it. Uh, there is just a culture of paying for software on the Mac that is obviously much more useful. It's If we sell Loopback for $99 and we sell uh, any tool for $0.99 cents on the iPhone or the iPad, obviously we need to sell 100 times as many copies to make as much money. And actually, it's a lot more than that because Apple's going to take their 30%. So we need to sell about 140 copies uh, before we're going to make that same amount of revenue from one copy of Loopback on the Mac. So uh, the, the short version is that the business dynamics of it or the business realities of it have not been uh, great in terms of making products for iOS. Uh, obviously, the iOS platform has, I don't even know what the number is, over a billion users now. So the, the volume could potentially be there. But if those people aren't paying for software, then it doesn't really matter. It's, it's the number of people interested to pay for software that matters. So something like Farago uh, is the interface would adapt to a, an iPod, excuse me, an iPad very easily. Uh, it's certainly something that people have requested, but it's not necessarily something that people will pay for. And it's not necessarily something that it's worth. It's not as simple. I don't know how, uh, you know, different, different listeners have different technical understanding, but it's not as simple as just clicking a button and suddenly you have an iPad version. Uh, there's some overlap and there's, there's some, you know, some of the work we've done on the Mac will translate to the iPad. If we said, let's make an iPad version, but it's not as simple as that. And it's, it would be two parallel products. And, uh, so I always say right now we're still focused on the Mac. The Mac is still serving us well. The Mac is still a powerful tool for people that are looking to do what we're providing tools for. Uh, and so that's that's sort of where we're focused. Uh, iOS is always you know sort of in the background of, hey, how could we make money off this? Or how can we make a tool that makes money off this? So we have a product called Airfoil that you mentioned briefly for streaming audio. Mm-hmm. And we have a tool called Airfoil Satellite, which lets you remotely control that product and receive audio from that product. So that's a free add-on to the... Uh, Mac app and to the Windows app that we have there. Uh, and it just sort of increases the value of the Mac app. But to use it, you really need to pay for the Mac app. So that's sort of the value proposition that we've got there, that uh, it's worth having this free product that will drive sales of a Mac product. Uh, right. So that's that's certainly the first part of the question. Uh, now I have forgotten what the second part of the question was. <laughs> well, I'll come back to, back to that one. Actually, just prompted a use case for Airfoil that I've always wondered wanted Apple to do. So, and maybe this is not what Airfoil. This is definitely not what Airfoil is designed for. But this is a very specific use case for me, right. where my kids are downstairs watching something on the Apple TV. I want to be able to shout into my phone and have it come out the Apple TV. The Apple TV, yeah. 
Uh, or I guess if they were playing on their iPad or whatever, right? If but it, they'd have to be running Airfoil Satellite for me to send audio to, to them. Send audio to a sound it. effect. Yeah, like it's supper time. Absolutely. Well, so the biggest problem is that AirPlay uh, doesn't allow something else to uh, butt in. So basically, if device A is connected to output A, uh, device B can't over override it and uh, disconnect it, and then then shout out shout out over it, or even in tandem with it. So right. there's the the <laughs> protocol doesn't allow for what you're looking to do. I, I, the use case makes perfect sense to me. Uh, it's just not something that uh, it's certainly not what it's designed for, but it's also not even possible with the way Airpl- uh, AirPlay works, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I've always I just thought like, man, not not obviously not like for kids. I, I don't think anybody at Apple has kids because they don't ever really seem to. <laughs> they never go home, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with with kids in mind. But um, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's a whole nother another discussion. The the question was about um, Farago using the inner or no, sorry, Audio Hijack. The interface seems like a sort of touch inspired interface. The redesign you did uh, version. Th- Three when it came version out. three yep. yeah was redesigned and is beautiful and, and uh, but uh, yeah sort of like feels very touch inspired I guess but was that it was always a Mac app I, I'm guessing but so yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting question uh, I I don't want to declaim any any other apps or anything like that but, but it's not something where we said hey let's make a touch based UI uh, so uh, Audio Hijack three came out in 2015 but it was in progress for about five to seven years before that. Uh, Audio Hijack 2 was still in development and still getting updates, and, and but the version 3, which is a pretty dramatic redesign, uh, was in progress for three to five years before that and probably a little bit more. Uh, so it's... I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to... I'd have to fudge the dates, but the iPad certainly was not prevalent when the initial design of Audio Hijack 3 came about. Um, one thing that we did in Audio Hijack 3 that we were either the first or one of the first Mac apps to do was add popovers. So the iPad added something called a popover where basically you touch a portion of the UI and a new aspect of it pops up. Uh, Instead of loading a new screen, it just pops over uh, the existing UI and it basically makes those controls more accessible. And in Audio Hijack, if you click a block, we have what's called a popover that Add, that shows you the controls for that block instead of you know flipping the the to the back of the block or something like that. Uh, so this is something that that definitely came from iOS and we sort of translated it to the Mac and and found it to be really useful. Uh, so that's absolutely something that was inspired by uh, the iPad. But in terms of the total UI and you know the block based interface, um, that was something that you know I'm sure I'm sure the touch UI helped us with that. But it was not something where we said hey let's make a touch UI. And then, oh, you know what? We're not even going to release this on the iPad or anything like that. Uh, it, it definitely, again, so Farago is the most obvious one. Farago, you literally have buttons that you click or hit on your keyboard. And so the keyboard translates to the screen. And if you had a touchscreen Mac, you would just tap. I'm doing it right into the camera. You would just tap this button right here, uh, and that would play it the same way on an iPad. So that UI would very obviously translate to the iPad, uh, but it's sort of a result of just how playback interaction works, not that we said, hey, let's make this a touch UI. Uh, but it's definitely been interesting to see, you know, how the iOS interface has evolved over time and something like popovers. And I'm sure there's other examples that, I, that I'm not thinking of that sort of we've brought back to the Mac or we've looked at and said, okay, that's, that's a good interaction. How can we make that work on the Mac as well? Uh, it's definitely, you know, anytime you have progress on a platform, even if it's a related platform, it, it's useful for us to be able to look at that and, and get ideas from it. But it's not something where we said, you know, this should be a touch UI and, and then oh, let's translate it to the Mac. 
Yeah, and that's the it's it's interesting now that uh, with Audio Hijack, that's the one sort of um, one whatever you user interface frustration where it the the dragging blocks and having them connect and not connect when you want them to and things like that. And I know there's some really smart stuff that you guys are doing there to like figure out because I. I mean, what you want it to do and yeah like that's that's incredible what you guys are doing with that and and obviously again just like that there's going to be use cases where you haven't thought about it or you're protecting people from doing right. something that you know shouldn't happen because <laughs> you you'll end up with whatever breaking your ears or something but um but yeah that's the one part where it's like i again i just wanted to like draw a line yeah this to this and not have it also connect to this other one or whatever but i know in the interest of like supporting users, keeping things simple, but powerful. That's sort of, the, I think I'm guessing that's the trade-off anyways. Cause obviously if you, if you could do everything for everybody, you would right. obviously, and that's just not the reality. No, that's you, you've nailed it exactly. And I think the, the useful thing to note is that you are what I would call sort of a high-end user of the product, uh, probably doing more complex setups than, you know, I'll throw out a number, 90% of people, 95% of people, maybe 99% of people. Uh, you're certainly not the only one who wants to be able to say connect X to Y to Z and don't do any auto connecting or anything like that. We we get that request, but the trade-off is absolutely mm. that a huge percentage of people just need the auto connecting and we don't want to confuse them just to provide something that you can almost certainly you can still do what you're looking to do. If you toss in, you know, sort of the the easiest thing that we suggest is just toss in some extra blocks there to make it make the chain that you need. Even if you don't even use the blocks, you can turn them off or it can be a volume block that you leave at 100 uh, percent. And it's certainly a workaround. It's a hack. It's absolutely not the ideal way to do this, but it's the trade off of we don't want to confuse 90 percent of the people uh, who don't need this functionality uh, and who want something simple and want it to just work for them when they drag on three blocks and have it just connect. So it's it's certainly something where we have a feature case open that says, okay, uh, manual audio routing. How do we do this and how can we make it work? And uh, somebody like Chris needs this and, and doesn't want to deal or, you know, dicker around with the, uh, the auto connection. And, and he wants to be able to just draw it and have it work. Um, but then, you know, let's say you draw it and it works. You add one more block. Does it auto connect or do you need to add that yourself manually? You'd probably want it to auto connect. You'd, you'd say, well, that's just one more output. Just add it at the end. But suddenly we're in manual mode, and if we switch to auto mode, then we need to either remember what you did or switch it all to auto. And uh, it's it's I, I think you can understand it's a fairly complex problem uh, where we've uh, you know we've taken the easy way out right now and said it does it automatically. If you don't like exactly what it did, you can work around it, uh, but it may not be perfect for every use case. Obviously, I know very little about software programming, but I know enough to know that there is really uh, because it looks so simple and because it is so simple to use. There is really complex things going on behind the scenes that are <laughs> exactly. way above my brain, uh, and so that's where I think, yeah, it's I I understand that that's it's not just like well, just if I held down the option key, why can't I just do that, you know, right. or whatever, and make that make it a simple thing like that? Because obviously that affects cascading effect of other stuff going wrong then all of a sudden or whatever exactly that's exactly it so, but i appreciate you taking the time to answer the question i'm sure you get asked a lot because that's probably from the whatever five percent or whatever it is of of users that really want that i'm sure they're a very vocal five percent at times yeah absolutely um, but it, oh and and we respect that and and it's it's you know it's exactly the feedback we want to hear because uh if if there's something that we're not doing that we can do to to make things better we want to at least know about it and then decide you know can we do that in a way that helps everybody or that helps people without hurting anyone else and uh so thus far we've not found a way to do that in a way that would not negatively impact other people but it's certainly something that we have not forgotten about that or or are just ignoring yeah 
Yeah. And the final thing I'll ask is just something actually that just happened today that uh, might be of con- some concern to podcast listeners or podcasters who listen to the show um, is something that's Ecamm Live, or not Ecamm. Ecamm is a software company. They make the live software that I'm using right now, but also they make uh, Skype Call Recorder, like I mentioned earlier, and they also make Call Recorder for FaceTime. And they just posted an email to anybody who owns that software that under uh, Mac OS 10.14, Mojave, they will not be able to continue making that because call recorder for FaceTime will not be compatible with Mojave, which is, is what they're saying. And so obviously Paul is just, I talked to him about it beforehand, but, um, there it's, it's something that you might be thinking as a podcaster who's using audio hijack. Well, does that mean, cause I, somebody tweeted at me, like, does, are all audio recording apps for Mac going to all of a sudden break now with Mojave? And you mentioned earlier in passing that, you know, you're testing software, obviously on the beta that's out for yep. 10, 14. So I'm I'm assuming you're aware of some of the issues. This is a newer one that seems like something where it's specific to uh, FaceTime audio possibly and sort of how they're allowing plugins in the past to be loaded into the app and now they're not on the back end um, at, at a deeper level than, than what I understand anyways. And um, so, yeah, what is, I guess, in the state of audio hijack or sorry, rogue amoeba apps as it relates to 10.14 and, and does this, it's not a bug, I guess, it's just a, a new setting or, or limitation, I guess, of 1014. Does that seem to, as far as you can tell, does that, is that going to affect anything from rogue amoeba that you're aware right. of? So, so the short answer is no, it should, the, the changes that are affecting call recorder for FaceTime should not affect audio hijack, uh, or any of our other audio capture tools because we capture audio in a different way than that application does. Uh, call recorder was basically sort of inside of FaceTime. Uh, so it, got into FaceTime and just got FaceTime's audio. Uh, audio Hijack and, and all of our audio capture tools work at a different level capturing audio from the system. So there's, you know, that might sound like uh, quibbling over over the technology or whatever, but it, it, the way it, the upshot is that uh, our audio capture path still works. We've tested this on 1014 and it works differently uh, than Call Recorder did. So it's not something that will, again, knock on wood, but it's not something that should impact us and in our testing thus far, it, it, it has not had an impact. All right. That was my conversation with Paul Kafasis of Rogue Amoeba. Be sure to check them out at macaudio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM or GoodStuffFM. I'm iChris. Kyle is Hopburps. And we try to stream the show live most Friday mornings on our Twitch channel. GoodStuff.FM slash Twitch should take you right to our channel and you can subscribe to be notified when we go live. There's also a page at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM slash ask, where you can uh, submit to your show, your your podcast to be on a future episode of Show Me Your Mic, where we'll interview you, talk about what gear you're using, why you got into podcasting, what your show's about, your plans for the future, and where your hope, hopes and dreams lie with podcasting. And we'll be contacting those who are on that list already in the near future to arrange dates and stuff to, to record. There's also details there of how to uh, submit a question for a future episode of, of Show Me Your Mic. So that, that again was goodstuff.fm slash smym slash ask. And of course, if you need podcasting advice, editing or consulting related to podcasting, I can help you. Lemonproductions.ca slash hires where you can book a consulting call or just obviously lemonproductions.ca to find out more. And Kyle's got a show all about beer that you should check out podcast.untapped.com. And be sure to check out all the other great shows on Good Stuff at goodstuff.fm in your favorite podcast player of choice. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day. Bye.